how interpretation happens, how art interpretation can give us deeper insight into how we show up as humans, how we feel about things, and what we value. The same as with card reading. These individual cards, you can think of them as tiny masterpieces. Now, there are many different types of cards, and in particular, one type of card, tarot, has a lot of cultural connotations attached to it that I think sometimes people react either very positively to or negatively. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Welcome to episode 109 of the Art of Living Well podcast. How are you guys doing? It's almost the end of January, and I've already noticed that it's getting lighter out at the end of the day. So that is really exciting. You can go out on a walk at five o'clock and not have it be pitch dark. And we just wrapped up our 14-day liver detox. As we have mentioned before, this was the first time we've done two weeks, and it's been amazing. And everyone was just so excited, you know, that second week to have our support by adding some foods back, but still eating very clean. We did an immunity boosting workshop, which we will run again and make available if you missed that last week. Additionally, all of the detox participants are receiving an amazing cookbook. It's Emily's Fresh Kitchen, Cook Your Way to Better Health. We had Emily Maxson as a guest on our show back episode number 40, so definitely check that out. And she was a, you know, did a guest appearance for the detox community about her health journey. And this cookbook is just beautiful and contains so many delicious nourishing recipes that are all very healthy. And so we were able to use those recipes during the second week when we added in a few different foods back into our diet. So this, re- this cookbook is coming out any day now within the next couple of weeks. You can pre-order a copy now. So you can check out Emily at Emily's Fresh Kitchen. That's her website and Instagram and Facebook handles as well. And one just quick message before we dive into today's episode, we would love for you to head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and review if you haven't already done so. It takes just two minutes and it really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from our inspiring conversations and all the resources that we share each week. And of course, we'd love it for you to share this episode with a friend, a family member, or anyone else who you think may benefit from this information. So we are super excited for today's really fun and enlightening conversation with Emily Shickley. Emily is a certified life coach, a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a Reiki master, the CEO of her company, Mind Body Dharma. She has a master's in English and curriculum design from the University of Chicago. And Emily 
loves combining practices from both both East and the West to help busy professional women identifying folks turn challenges into adventures, reconnect with their intuition, and finally make self-care doable and fun, no matter if they have a never-ending to-do list. She's led workshops on work-life balance, card reading, and self-care for companies like Google, Uber, and Course Hero, and she helps her clients double their energy and their ability to manage their time through her coaching programs. We had so much fun talking to Emily today about bite-sized self-care and how you can tap into your intuition in order to reduce your stress. She shares how she helps busy women who are overwhelmed by their to-do lists, and we know there's a lot of you out there, including ourselves, and you know, help you from preventing burnout and implementing some keystone habits through her bite-sized self-care approach. In the conversation with Emily, you'll hear about how she started tuning into her intuitive gifts and why you need to be in your body in order to tap into your intuition. We also dive into intuitive card readings, how you can choose an oracle card deck, how to pull a card, and how this will help you focus on your self-care. Emily actually does a short grounding exercise with us followed by a card reading with both Marnie and myself using her favorite Oracle card deck, which we will link up in the show notes. And then we wrap up the conversation with Emily talking about how you can turn life's challenges into adventures and reclaim pieces of yourself by giving yourself your power back. You will be so inspired to take Emily's advice and treat life like a gigantic science experiment and just say yes to life. So with that, let's jump right into today's conversation with Emily. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Thrive Chiropractic. I was first introduced to Thrive Chiropractic over five years ago for kinesiology-based food sensitivity testing. I was so amazed by this non-invasive and inexpensive technique that I took my son to have testing done, which confirmed some of his food sensitivities. Both my son and I now have regular tune-ups, and even my leery husband has felt the immense benefits from receiving chiropractic care, including cupping. With over 25 years of clinical experience, the doctors at Thrive Chiropractic, located in Minnetonka, Minnesota, combine their passion for wellness with a strong expertise in effective treatment approaches. When you first come to Thrive Chiropractic, the doctors are focused on helping you feel better as soon as possible and they recognize that one type of treatment or technique does not work for everyone. Your comprehensive exam, personal goals, and individual concerns help the doctors tailor your custom treatment plan for maximum results. Thrive Chiropractic's integrative approach offers holistic and effective healthcare with a full spectrum of complementary products and services, including acupuncture, massage, food sensitivity testing, CBD, and premium supplements. As a special offer, Thrive Chiropractic would like to invite listeners of our podcast to experience the gift of health with a $25 new patient visit, which includes the initial consultation, a comprehensive exam, any necessary x-rays, and first adjustments. Simply visit the website at www.thrivechiromn.com or call 952-746-5612 and reference the Arts of Living Well podcast. When you're seeking effective, non-invasive treatment approaches to support your health goals, let Thrive Chiropractic be your partner in wellness. Call or book online today. 
Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. We are so excited to have you here. Our mutual friend, Ashley Sondergaard, connected us. Um, I know she had you on her podcast, Yoga Magic, and she said you would just be a fantastic guest for us. So welcome. Um, And we would love to hear your story and your journey of how you became passionate about card reading and bite-sized self-care. Yeah, thank you so much, Marnie and Stephanie. It's really a pleasure to be here. And shout out to Ashley if you're listening. For <laughs> yeah, so such a good question. I remember when I was in fifth grade, and we had our little fifth grade promotion ceremony as you might call it. And we had a little festival at this nearby neighborhood park. And a friend of mine's mother was doing tarot card readings just for fun on the side. And I remember very distinctly, she was sitting under this beautiful tree and the shade was dappled around her. And she just had this like incredible setup. So it looked very magical and inviting for her kids. And I remember going over there, I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, what is this thing? My mom uh, and, and my dad are a little bit more on the skeptical side. So this was a very new type of experience. And I remember going over and sitting down, crossing my legs in the little seat. And she asked me a question. I don't remember the actual question. She started shuffling these cards. And I remember seeing the glimpses of this art coming through as she was shuffling the deck and just getting more and more kind of anxious, if you will as what was going to happen next. And then she laid out these cards and started telling me things that I was just completely blown away by. Like, how could she know this? Like, did my friend rat on me, you know, to her about like this crush that I had, like how on (laughs) earth did she know these things? Right. And from that moment, I knew that there was something really magical about it. I didn't really understand it. I thought that my friend's mom was like a magician of some kind. I didn't really realize that this was an art form. And fast forward a few decades, really, and I got my first card deck. This was actually a really emotional time for me. I had just had an empowered moment of breaking up with my college boyfriend at the time. And I remember I was standing in our senior year college house, surrounded by a few of my closest girlfriends. And I remember crying and being like, no, this is the best decision for me. And then immediately flipping and realizing that I needed to buy my own card deck. And it was this very strange moment in which I was so overcome with emotion and then suddenly had this intuitive hit of this was a new chapter. And it was then that we went out to this little shop that was in the nearby town, the only kind of East meets West bookstore. And I got my first card deck. So it was kind of this up and down journey with card reading from the start. I was naturally intuitive as a child. I actually don't talk about this a lot because of my science background, but I grew up seeing spirits and I had always repressed this and hid it and didn't really talk about it. So it was this kind of internal war with my intuition from a young age. And it wasn't until this pivotal moment in college that I actually embraced it. 
it was almost like I needed to go through the emotional trauma from this relationship in order to open up this part of myself and reconcile those two pieces. Wow. That's so, I love that story. And I, I think I'm also highly intuitive and I haven't developed it or however you say it as much as I probably could, but I've always known that about myself. Um, so it's really interesting for me to hear that, like it took a trauma or something for you to kind of, to start to tune into that more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is so common for so many people. Cause I know you asked me about the bite-sized self-care piece too. And I work with a lot of people who are at this pinnacle of burnout in their corporate careers. And I see the same kind of phenomenon in which they're really focused on achievement. They're focused on that external goal, on achieving a certain dream that maybe they've had all their lives or have been given from an early childhood. And then they hit this roadblock where suddenly their body can't do it anymore or their mind can't do it. And they're having this emotional turmoil. And it's at that point that it almost becomes this tipping point, if you will, for someone to decide, is this enough? Is this enough to just lean into one side of my personality? Or is this a moment in time when I can integrate and start to explore the more subtle aspects of who we are? So even if someone has grown up intuitive, I find that there's oftentimes this moment that's almost like a breakthrough. Same thing for people who grow up in their quote unquote logical, more in kind of the STEM fields. Even if they feel like they're not intuitive at all, they have this capacity. They just have to learn how to access it. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I know people. <laughs> a million dollar like, question. <laughs> I, I know people how, like how you're describing and I don't see them mm-hmm. with that ability or they, yeah. they don't even want to access mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. funny because like, I'm a little bit, I'm intuitive, kind of like how Marnie said she is. And so I've made a lot of big life decisions by just going with my gut and using my intuition. And I'll do that sometimes with my husband. I'll just be like, well, I just feel it. Like, this is just what it is. I love science too. And I love data, but sometimes forget the science and forget the data. And it's hard when you have like two people in a relationship too, that think very differently about making some pretty big decisions. Right. And so reconciling that, but I believe you, I think it's like creativity. We're all creative. We just need to know how to untap that creative, Mm -hmm. you know, spirit inside of us. Right. And it's true. Like I also make all of my, I pretty much make my decisions by my gut and I have for a long time. And like Stephanie said, my husband as well, he's not a a gut decision maker at all. He's totally (laughs) in his brain. um, And I'm in my heart. So it's interesting how different we yeah. are. Totally. And, and I love the phrasing. So for, for those of you who don't know my background, I'm an English academic at heart. So I nerd out about what words mean. So just bear with me for a second here, but I love your phrasing because both of you said you make decisions from your gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are actually four different styles that we have in terms of the way that our intuition comes through. So what you're talking about where it's like, oh, you know, my, my husband's more logical. He's in his head, but I'm in my gut. 
they're, those are two different styles, actually. So, so when we're talking about how can someone who's more logical or more like versed in the science access their creativity and intuition, part of it is this awareness piece of understanding that there are actually many different styles of intuition. Hmm. The other part of it is that we can't access our intuition in a stress state. So that's kind of the, the challenge here with working with people who are at this burnout moment is that part of the burnout is that they're so disconnected from their intuition. And as a result of being disconnected from intuition, they can't make aligned decisions. And when you can't make aligned decisions, you're stuck in analysis paralysis, which perpetuates burnout. That's fascinating. So, I didn't realize yeah. that there were multiple places to tap into intuition. And it makes mm -hmm. sense what you're saying, how when you're in that stress fight or flight mode, that you're disconnected and you can't access your intuition. So is that something you really work with your clients on getting mm -hmm. to a place where they can access their intuition? Yeah, I like to use metaphor a lot, partially because of my English background, and also partially because our brains understand abstract concepts more effectively through storytelling. So the metaphor that I would use for the reason why they can't access their intuition or, or the experience of not being able to access their intuition is, say you are inviting some friends over to hang out at your house. Maybe you put some snacks out, you know, you fluff the pillows, you shove all of the stuff you don't want them to see under the bed, push it into the closet, right? In the drawers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Tell the kids to be quiet, close it, you know, whatever it is for you. And then what happens if you leave and your friends come over and they're ringing the doorbell, or they're knocking on the door like, hey, Marty, Stephanie, we're here to hang out. If you're not home, doesn't matter that you cleaned your house, you're not gonna have your friends over. The same thing is with your intuition. If you're not home in your body, they're gonna miss out on all of those signals that it's trying to tell you. And the reason why we can't access our intuition when we're in a stress state is because we're focused on survival mode. So like from a neuroscience perspective, right? We have adrenaline, cortisol pumping through our body. We go into survival mode, fight, flight, and freeze. We're focused on external threats. We shut down a lot of essential systems like digestion, reproduction, so that we have the strength and resolve and resilience to survive. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that we energetically exit out we exit out of our body home. And as a result, we are oblivious to the intuitive signals that are trying to come through. So even if your intuition is there, knocking on the front door, ringing that doorbell, you're not going to be able to access, let alone interpret it. I love the way you say that. And I've done some work with different healers who have told me like, you're out of your body. Like Stephanie, you are out of body. And I, I get this was a few years ago, and I guess I never really put that together, but I think that's exactly what you're saying, right? I wasn't able to tap in, listen to my body, focus on my intuition, because I was so much focused on external and probably in that stressed fight or flight type mode. But that's yeah. just another way. I like the way that you phrased it. Well, and I actually have a question about that. Some, is it possible to be too in your body 
because sometimes I feel like I'm like so in touch with what's going on in my body. It's almost like over the top. Do you know what I mean? Like, is that, is there such a thing? Yeah. I, I would say from my perspective, all things in moderation, right. Is is generally the the middle path. Yes. So yeah, I, I would say it's less common in specifically the West for people to be too in their body. And it's more common for people to be out of body just based on this culture and this time that we're in. That being said, absolutely, it's possible to be too in your body. What that would look like, like anything else is, is very individual. It could look like being too focused on the present moment that you have no vision for the future or no specific goals that you're striving towards. It could be too focused on your physical sensations that you don't have that larger bird's eye view perspective. Yeah. That's why the mind and the body work so well together. Why we have both because we benefit from both a deep presence and that more logical, larger perspective that our mind is designed to give us that problem solving capability. That's so cool. That's just the way that you articulated that as an, as an English major, right? Um, (laughs) So before we dive in and talk about some of the, some of the areas we want to discuss, we know our listeners are all at different points on their health journey. And we'd love for you to dive in and talk about how you coach women who are overwhelmed by their to-do lists and all the shoulds and all the voices in their head telling them what they should be doing versus what they truly, you know, in their heart want to be doing. And maybe like what your process looks like and what's the physical work that goes along with it. So the way I would describe the process at a high level is that through trial and error in my own personal journey, hitting burnout, (laughs) dealing with a lot of these issues myself in a variety of different ways in career and personal life, health, and also from what I've seen with my clients and the, the research that I've done in neuroscience and psychology, Eastern practices, that we can create a positive ripple effect in our lives through bite-sized changes. And specifically through cultivating what's called a keystone habit. So something that affects all areas of our life when we focus on just making small changes bit by bit. And that keystone habit that I'm very interested in and I've found affects on a monumental scale is self-care. And I'm talking about anything from taking deep breath when you're feeling anxious and understanding how your body works to the more superficial things of enjoying that bubble bath, right? Like one is not necessarily more lauded than the other. I think a lot of times in this conversation, we get lost in like, what is self-care, but I would define it as the practice of self-love. And that practice of self-love gives you transferable skills that help you up-level, reduce burnout, reduce overwhelm, and feel more aligned in your life. The second layer that I work work with people with is to help them shift three core relationships. 
The first relationship is with their time because how we spend our time is a direct reflection of what we value. And I know that's a really hard one to swallow for most of us. So one of the, one of the common pushbacks I get from clients is like, well, I spend a lot of time on my phone. Does that mean I value my, like, you know, the silly game that I'm playing more than my career or my loved ones? No, it's more in that instance that you're valuing rest, right? That you're valuing that, that sense of recovery. So I'm, I'm really encouraging people to think big picture here when we talk about time, like what is it that you value, right? The second core relationship is your energy. And the reason why your energy is a core relationship is because even if you have infinite time, if you don't have the energy to follow through, your best laid plans don't matter. And I think a lot of people experience this having the, the best intentions to work out in the morning right? and then hitting snooze or to work on a, a larger life goal after work and they're exhausted. They spend time watching TV. The last relationship is emotion. And that's because emotion is energy in motion. It's an embodied biochemical reaction in our body and also how we make decisions. And circling all the way back around, when we're making aligned decisions, that's when we are finding deeper sense of fulfillment in our life and moving in the direction that we want to be. So that's, that's in, in deep contrast to the shoulds and the to-do list overwhelm. It's a much more heart-centered approach. I love that. And I can see where you taking these women through this process can really help them, you know, step away from the to-do lists and the shoulds and, you know, that those ideas and feelings really do bog people down quite a bit. And um, I, I personally use a to-do list every day, but I don't feel bogged down by it. I feel like it helps me stay on task, but there was a point in my life where I would dread looking at my to-do list. Um, so I, I love that you're helping women sort that out. And it sounds like it's really prioritizing your values and what's important and getting in touch with your inner self in order to create the to-do list that is gonna be fulfilling and it's not gonna cause undue stress, right? Absolutely. So it's not the to-do list itself that's, you know, bad, if you will. It's mm -hmm. what's driving the to-do list. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. You said you, that you way more it. eloquently. Than, that's um, kind of what I was trying to say, but <laughs> Stephanie said it. Very yeah, well. You're hired, Stephanie. You're hired. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's a first that I said something eloquently. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so... Can we talk about how this relates to intuitive card reading? Because mm -hmm. I know Stephanie and I are both really excited to dive into this and um, learn more about it. And, you know, we've both dabbled. Well, I've dabbled. I, I would say I've dabbled. I, I, I bought these recently. I don't know if you can see. Oh, yeah. They're called the Starseed Oracle. And my daughter, who's 17, is super interested in this as well. Like, I kind of wanted her to listen to the recording. but. She wasn't available anyway. So, um, 
we're just really excited to dive into this. I don't know if you can explain to our listeners what intuitive card reading is, because I don't even know if people understand what that means. And maybe we should start there. Yeah. So the bridge here that, that I'm picking up on in, in your question from burnout, really shifting these three core relationships to intuitive card reading. I think a lot of times people are like, wait, what <laughs> you're talking about tarot now? <laughs> where, where is the connection? So yeah. So the, the connection here is that in this process, as Stephanie so eloquently put of, of being value centered and shifting our behaviors as a result of those values is what I like to call building your giant toolkit. Part of that toolkit consists of Eastern practices, Western task management strategies, time management strategies, energy management, philosophy, psychology, neuroscience, all of these different bodies of work. And one of those tools that I absolutely love using with clients because it bridges a lot of those traditions is card reading. Now, still, there's probably a lot of questions coming up like, huh, how does, how is card reading science-based? How does it relate to psychology? The way that I think of and define intuitive card reading is that it's a personal development tool. It's a tool for self-inquiry. You can imagine if you've ever been to a museum or maybe you're a big fan of art on, on Pinterest or Instagram if you're scrolling and you come across something and you're like, wow, that is incredible. And you feel this emotional reaction to it. You get excited or you're moved. Maybe you cry if that's really extreme, right? And then you show your friend and your friend's like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> that is an example of how interpretation happens, how art interpretation can give us deeper insight into how we show up as humans, how we feel about things, and what we value. And the same as with card reading. These individual cards, you can think of them as tiny masterpieces. Now, there are many different types of cards, and in particular, one type of card, tarot, has a lot of cultural connotations attached to it that I think sometimes people react either very positively to or negatively. Traditionally, tarot was actually a game. It wasn't designed for fortune telling. Yeah, this is fascinating. It was developed in the gap between um, the medieval time period and the Renaissance. And it was a card game, like a parlor game for the wealthy. So it's very interesting that over time, it's become this kind of like woo fortune telling thing. And I don't approach card reading that way. It's really more of this like personal development tool. I, and I like that because when I hear fortune telling, I like want to run the other way. I don't want my mm -hmm. fortune told, but personal development tool, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 And, and the reason why I personally don't like fortune telling to really drive the point home is because it creates self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm -hmm. It actually takes your power away mm -hmm. versus yeah. personal development gives you tools that help you reclaim your own power. It's a big difference. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so the answers lie within you, right? Like no one else can tell you the answer. You Correct. know it inside. It's just a matter of if you can unlock it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are specific strategies, frameworks, and tools that you can lean on to help you learn how to unlock it. Mm -hmm. And having a guide walk you through that process is really helpful. So you can continue to have someone read your cards for you in a way that is in a non-future focused non-fortune telling mode and still get a ton of benefit out of it. Just like how you turn to your friend when you're having a crisis and you're like, what do I do? You're not actually having, you don't actually want your friend to fix it for you, but you want another perspective, right? Because sometimes we can't see what we're going through as clearly as someone else can. Mm -hmm. And that someone else can actually be embodied by cards, which is why I love teaching this tool because you can use it as your own mirror. And as you get more versed in it and, and skilled, you don't even need someone to read them for you. It's fun to have someone read them for you, but you don't have to. It, it almost for me, like, cause I've been doing it, I don't know, maybe six or seven months, not every day, but several days a week. It's almost like a little, it's a mirror and it's almost like journal prompts to the extent, like it gets you to really think and focus on areas of your life. And I'm telling you, I think like 98% of the time, these cards are super relevant. And it just, it, if nothing else, it's actually really grounding for me just to take a few minutes and to think and focus on how this one card and what it's saying could have an impact. Or I could, as I go about my day, I'm like more focused on that one area. And it's pretty broad, right? It's not like it's just telling you like one very specific thing. I don't know if you want to get into that a little bit more, but. Should we dive into. Yeah, hard reading. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's roll up our metaphorical sleeves here. I, I love what you said, Stephanie, because it really is about intention when you're you're pulling cards. And, and I find going into it to seek a deeper understanding or an inspiration, like a piece of inspiration, or maybe clarity on a question that you have is the most helpful way to use it. And I actually describe it most often as journal prompts. It's like a visual journal prompt. And part of that actually comes from my creative writing background. I don't know if you all have ever encountered those like thousand pictures to, you know, for your creative writing exercise or like a thousand writing prompts. A deck of intuitive cards can serve that purpose. And if you look at it through the lens of personal development, you can gain a lot of self-understanding through it. Yeah. So, so what do you want to know? Like, should we talk like, you know, beginner, Hey, I'm interested in, in learning how to do this. Like, what do I do to start to, would that be helpful? I yeah. Think I think so. for a yeah. beginner, yep. that cool. would be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, fir the first step is to really get a deck, right. And, and there's a lot of uh, lore around, um, this idea that you can't buy your own deck, which I personally don't believe in. Uh, if, if someone who's listening has encountered that I'm empowering you go out and buy your own deck, you know, <laughs> the, the, the reason why this is important to mention is because there are lots of superstitions, traditions, and beliefs around card reading, and you get to choose whether they resonate with you or not. 
And, and this is really important because this is the core practice in card reading. It's this idea that whatever power you instill in these cards, they will have. So if you believe that they are your fun art exercise that you do in the morning to just feel good, that's exactly what they're going to be. They're not going to be like whispering in the night, you know, like, or whatever your, your fears might be. So just kind of addressing that, that emotion that might come up for some people. So when it comes to choosing a deck, the, the key is just to pick something that resonates with you. And there are actually a couple different kinds of card decks. There's tarot, which is the oldest, theoretically. Um, there's some debate, but there, there's tarot, which has a specific, what I call hierarchical structure to it. So there are specific cards that you'll find in every single tarot deck. And over the years, there are many, many volumes uh, that people have written about what those cards mean. And depending on the tradition that you choose to ascribe to, you can either take on those meanings or not. Tarot itself isn't the only kind of deck though. And there are actually quite a few other hierarchical decks that people have created. Meaning it's kind of like if you look at a novel and within the novel, there are all of these different characters playing different roles. And those roles overlap in various storylines as they cross paths. Hierarchical decks are like that in the sense that each of the cards have relationships to the other cards. And those types of relationships are helpful if you want to create larger stories with your cards or spreads, as people call them. I like to think of them as stories because that can, again, be helpful to understand how they work together. So if you're interested in creating spreads and more like elaborate answers to your questions, then going for a deck that has these relationships within it is a good route to go. Hmm. I've never heard any of this before. So it's super fascinating. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say too, like as a caveat, a lot of this has been a combination of me teaching myself and also learning from masters, quote unquote. So not everyone is going to call them hierarchical decks. This is just like how my brain is interpreting them. And I find that it's helpful to, to break it down this way. And a part of that's from my creative writing background. So the second type of deck is like a oracle deck you may have heard of, I know Marnie, you just showed one, or like a mantra or affirmation card deck would kind of fit into this category where they're more like short stories or like flash fiction versus a novel. Meaning you might draw one card and that gives you an entire picture or you might draw two side by side, but they don't necessarily have this complicated relationship with each other. They're more just individual stories that then you can interpret as a whole, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Versus like a hierarchical deck, like you draw two cards or three cards and you put them into a, a plot, a spread, and then you can see, oh, well, this one has kind of an awkward relationship with this one. So like, what does that mean? And that dynamic comes to the surface and, and is involved in your interpretation. 
Got it. Okay. This is all super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first step to recap is to pick a deck and, and you can go in thinking framework wise, like, do I want to have this opportunity to create larger stories or am I just more interested in like a simple one card kind of pull for inspiration? After you've made that decision, go have fun researching, go on Etsy, go look at the big decks on, you know, various publishers' websites if you want. There are lots of artists out there. You can even find people on Instagram these days. The key is to pick something that speaks to you because art is so personal, right? It's like, again, going back to the example of your friend and you find something that's so meaningful and you love it. And then your friend is like, meh, you want to find the deck that you're like in love with, because that energy is going to be part of and important to cultivating a relationship with your deck. Cause it really is like creating a relationship and not just creating a relationship with a physical deck of cards, but also yourself. Cause these are personal development tools. Yeah. So that's step one. That's probably like the most involved step <laughs> is like yeah. choosing a deck and also like, here's your permission slip. If you needed it to get multiple decks, I think I have mine. <laughs> okay. So, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. This is yeah, making me want I... to go buy another deck. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you may, you said something about really, it shouldn't be, maybe it shouldn't be given to you as a gift. You should pick it out yourself. And I was actually in my head before you said that thinking, oh, this is going to be a fun gift to give to people. Um, and maybe not, right? I mean, maybe they should pick their own or? It's in the eye of the beholder. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very much a self-care relativist, as I like to call myself, in the sense that it, it's going to work for you if you believe it works for you. I mean, there's a reason why there's self in the word self-care, right? So coming back to language, it's not other person care for yourself. So, <laughs> which, is, which is such an important concept you just said yeah. like because I'm yeah. always trying to give little gifts to people like not hinting at self-care but like mm -hmm. oh you should do this for yourself or you should do that yeah. for yourself but at the end of the yeah. day they have to want it right oh yeah yes. oof Marnie I have learned that lesson my friend yeah, yeah. especially as a coach like you know obviously I care about my friends I care about my family I'm so excited, you know, teaching these things and excited about learning about these things myself. Of course, I want to give them the tool. But if there's that secret hidden agenda of like, do this and it'll change your life, I promise. The way humans work is it's not going to that it's not going to fly because people love to be difficult <laughs> when they're told they should do something. And we're yes. all this way. Yeah. It's got to be self-led. Sure. You can lead, you know, as the, the cliche says, like lead the horse to water, right. We can't force them to drink. I like to say, totally. like, just point out that there's water over there and they can walk <laughs> over themselves. Yes. If they want. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. But that being said, it does make a great gift. I've given gifts, um, like card decks as gifts. I think the key is it, it is personal and I think it's helpful just as a gift giver, like this is zooming out, talking about boundaries and relationships, but I think it's helpful as a gift giver to just be really, really clear on what your intentions are. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Is it That's a genuine, great. like, Oh, I, I think they're going to love this and enjoy it. I want to give it from the, just the benefit of the doubt and a generous heart, or are you trying to quote, fix them in some way? 
Yes. And I, I mean, I for sure fall into that category where I'm, of course it's genuine from the heart, Mm -hmm. but I'm also wanting to help someone if I see that. So I don't know how you rectify that exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We can do a whole other episode on on that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It comes from a good place, Barney. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, again, like if it resonates, give it as a gift. And also the reason why I really encourage people to buy their own deck is because it's a personal development tool and, and it feels really empowering to choose the thing that you're going to use for your growth. Like that choice is a huge part of growth. And so, especially for someone who's in a state of burnout, they feel like they don't have agency anymore. And part of reclaiming pieces of yourself is to give yourself your power back. And part of giving yourself your power back is choosing. And something as small as choosing a deck, wow, that can really open up that door and again, have that positive ripple effect that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then what's next? Yeah. Step two. You have your deck. Yeah. (laughs) So this is again, subjective. The way I have found it helpful to get to know a new deck is through just a simple daily, three times a week, once a week, whatever the frequency resonates with you, pull a card and look at it. And instead of immediately turning to the guidebook, if there's a guidebook and reading the interpretation, challenge yourself to sit with it like you would sit with a painting. Take a look at the card, take it in, look at the colors, Even if you're not an art nerd, you can do this practice where you look at, you know, how is the picture composed? Are there any recognizable objects, people, or animals in it? Is it abstract? Is there a certain mood that the card gives you? How are you feeling when you're looking at the card? The other aspect, that's kind of like the visual interpretation. So spend some time, maybe a minute, 30 seconds, whatever resonates, and then take a look at the question that you started with. And as a brief aside on questions, always ask an open-ended question. So are you supposed to always have a question before you pull a card? So I'll push back and say no supposed to's necessarily. Okay. So could you just pull a card with a blank mind? Okay. <laughs> <know>. Yeah. <laughs> If you achieve the blank mind, amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know how I I'm, I'm not articulating this. One. No, I, I got you. I got you. But like, yeah. you don't have a set question, like, you know, what is my soul's purpose? Or like, you don't have a big question, but you still want to pull a card. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. It, it probably will give you less meaning because then it's like this giant portal into all the infinite questions you could have asked versus if you start off with a question, my favorite question is what do I need to know today? And you can, I ask a lot. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you, like, what are some examples of questions? You like, obviously Mm -hmm. you're not going to ask, you know, are my shoes red? Like, (laughs) you know, like what are some examples of questions? Yeah. So so the key is to, to have an open-ended question and open-ended questions mean it's like a, what, a, why, a, how type of word that starts your question phrase rather than a do, would, or will type of word. 
I also recommend that people focus on the present moment, again, to avoid that trap of self-fulfilling prophecies and honestly, anxiety. I can't tell you how many times I've asked a future focused question and then just felt worse afterwards because I didn't like what I interpreted or I was afraid that I was interpreting something wrong. Like that's the opposite of the goal here, right? Mm -hmm. So ask something focused on the present moment and that is subjective, right? So it might be the day is the present moment. It might be the minute is the present moment or the week. That's up to you, but ask something that's really focused on your current reality rather than like trying to predict something and also be very careful that you're not trying to, again, get into other people's energy. So it's not like, does he like me? Does she like me? You know, like you don't want to do that. Magic eight ball. Right now? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Save those for the magic eight ball. <laughs> Use your card reading for something different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so kind of those open-ended questions. So my favorite one is like, what do I need to know today? And then I oftentimes will insert the phrase to bring myself back into balance or to bring blank back into balance. So when I do private card readings with people, uh, this is the question I have them ask themselves is what do I need to know today to bring blank back into balance? And so they could put in, you know, a very specific question like my work life, or it could be more general, like myself, what do I need to know today to bring myself back into balance? Or maybe it's like a specific project. What do I need to know today to bring this one project that I'm working on back into balance or wh whatever it is for them. So you can get granular or you can have that bird's eye view. So can we try this out? Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So I have my deck here. Um, for those of you who are listening, I, my favorite card deck is by Kim Kranz. It's called the, the wild unknown is her company. And the, the actual deck is animal spirit. The reason why it's my favorite deck is because the art speaks to me and it's also all animals. And I just love animals. They make sense to me sometimes more than people do. Uh, <laughs> and also because I like it, it's a really neutral deck for people. So uh, when I, when I do readings for clients, I rarely use tarot unless I know them well because of, of the cultural baggage that it, it often has. So shuffle the cards. Maybe you can hear our Foley. We hired the best Foley director here to add in the sound. So who would like to go first? I don't care, Marnie. I can go, you can go. You decide, Emily. All right, well, I'll go with Stephanie since you spoke first. Okay. And our shirts kind of match. So I noticed that earlier. It's like a little bit of these puppy. Yeah. Puppy little, sleeves. Yeah. I call it my like Disney princess shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And you have the braid. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Super long so, braid. Uh, too funny. Okay. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to do like a super mini version. Now bringing us all the way back to the first part of our conversation you got to be in your body in order to access your intuition today. So we're going to do a group guided meditation here, and then we'll, we'll do your readings back to back. Does that sound good? Perfect. Okay. So if you're listening at home, don't do this while you're driving, <laughs> pull over, please. 
you can join us. So go ahead and close your eyes. Take a deep breath into your belly, filling yourself up. Exhale out your mouth. Do two more of those. Inhale into your belly, breathing horizontally. So push it out in front of you. Exhale out your mouth. Feel free to give yourself permission to make a deep sigh as well. So inhale, fill your belly up. Exhale, sigh it out, let it go. Nice. Now, if you're seated, you can actually place your hands on your chair to just feel a sense of security and safety here. Touching our physical surroundings can be really grounding and helpful for our nervous system. So just take a deep breath as you hold onto your chair and tell your body, I'm safe. It's okay to relax. You can even energetically, for those of you who are maybe more visually oriented, you can imagine your energy field just slowly dripping down from the top of your head, all the way down your shoulders down through your heart space, belly, hips, legs, and feet. So our full body is melting into whatever you're sitting on. And take one more deep breath in. Exhale, let it go. And continue to breathe naturally. Now bring to mind this question. What do I need to know today to bring myself back into balance? And if you want, you can fill in the blank with a specific situation. What do I need to know today to bring blank back into balance? I'm just go ahead and repeat that question in your mind. We're just building that sense of focus. And we've grounded our energy. We're inviting our intuition in here. Breathing deeply. And when you're ready, Stephanie, I'm going to start to shuffle and you can open your eyes and you'll just let me know when to stop shuffling the cards. That's good. All right. So we're going to go with the top card here. Normally when I do a reading, we'll cut and choose and do a whole layout and everything. We're just going to keep it simple today. So we have the elk card that we've drawn for Stephanie here. Now we're going to go ahead and interpret the art. So Stephanie, I want you to do this. Okay. So again, not putting you on the spot here. This is not a test. Just lean into what comes up for you. What do you see in this card? Go ahead and describe it for our audience. Mm. Fire. Mm -hmm. Like energy, heat. Um, but also like stability and calm. The mm -hmm. elk to me feels almost very grounding. Um, but then on top, it's just like this fire and heat that's circulating. I love that. Yeah. So, so for our audience who, who can't see, essentially there's an elk 
depicted on this card. And the elk's antlers is a very impressive rack of antlers kind of look like they're on fire. There's like this orange and red and yellow kind of up top and this sort of watercolor or fuzzy texture versus the elk itself is this very exact inked black and white. So great interpretation. So now taking what you've interpreted right? Where it's like this sense of grounding, but there's also fire. What does that make you think of? Um, <laughs> I can be very, I'm very fiery mm -hmm. and I know I need to be more grounded. And so I feel like it's this yin yang balance. It's like what I am aspiring to be more of in balance and kind of just the question that I asked. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just making me pause and reflect about just everything's kind of going on. It's very, very relevant to just some personal things that I'm working on right now. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. But so, I guess the, the thought is that you can be a little bit of both at the same time. It does, you don't have to be all or all or nothing. Like the elk is very, just seems strong and stable, but not scary and grounded, but then there's still this like fiery element when needed. And so maybe it's trying to find that balance of when to use the fire appropriately and when to just kind of come back and be more grounded and centered. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So if, if I may, I'll add on to that interpretation given what I know about this particular card. Mm -hmm. So this is very much in line with what you're talking about is that idea of like stability is very much present present in this card. The elk is kind of like the epitome of masculine energy. And taking a step back, we all have both feminine and masculine energy in our system. The masculine energy is more around stability, providing systems, control, protecting. And this is not like a gender specific, right. Or however you present kind of thing. This is just, we all have that, as you said, the yin and the yang within us. Right. So this is bringing to mind front and center, this masculine energy. So for you, depending on your specific situation and area of life, it could be a call for more focus on process and structure so that you can feel both grounded as well as tap into that inner ferocity within you, that fire, that passion, rather than maybe going with the flow or just like letting things be in, in the past, if you've had that tendency. This is kind of a call for, right? So our question is, what do I need to know to bring this area back into balance? So this is what you need to know is that that focus on systems or support or stability will help you find more balance between the groundedness and that fire of creativity. Mm. Oh, I love this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And very cool. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what was your, if you, if you feel comfortable sharing, like what was the specific area of your life that you were asking about? A lot of it just has to do with balance and kind of balancing out energy within my body and getting mm -hmm. that flowing. There's some stagnation going on. And so that's something that I'm working on, mm -hmm. um, personally. And so, yeah. yeah. 
Great. Yeah. So leaning into maybe a framework that can help you understand that dynamic can help bring that area of yourself back into balance too. And, and really following that process. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing the that system in the process, mm -hmm. right? the system in the process resonated with me. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. I have a, I have a question. So yes. some cards, like the cards that I have, they actually have a passage. Do these cards have a passage to read in addition to kind of provide a little bit more insight as to what the art is yeah. trying to tell you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I am a huge Kim Kranz fan. She's an amazingly talented artist. And I, I actually had the pleasure of doing a workshop with her um, at Esalen uh, a couple of years ago and which is a retreat center in California. And uh, she has a really beautifully written guidebook. Okay. Not all decks have guidebooks. So just kind of preparing our listeners, if you end up getting one without a guidebook, that's okay. Just really lean on your intuitive skills. Um, if you do want one with a guidebook, then maybe look for that. And there are varying degrees. Like sometimes it's a tiny little insert. Other times it's like a big tome to read through. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Thank you. That was really cool. Yeah. All right, Marnie, you are next. So coming back into the energy of just that question, go ahead and close your eyes and take a deep breath. Exhale out your mouth. What do I need to know today to bring blank back into balance? When you're ready, you can open your eyes. And let me know when to stop shuffling. Stop. Okay. Ooh, we got the fire ant card here. So go ahead and, <laughs> and, and I will say as a, as a caveat before we dive in, there are no bad cards, okay? So even if something feels a little negative at the start, just like all animals in life, there are both sides of connotations um, and that applies to these cards too. So don't be afraid, <laughs> but go ahead and describe what you see. Um, well, I actually, the first thing that came to my mind before you even said ant and I saw the word ant was like a bullseye. Mm. <laughs> um, that's kind of what I saw. It was like just a very direct point. Um, and what that's making me think about now when I see that is that like, especially this week, I have like a million things going on with work and with kids and with school starting next week. And there's just like, all these things going on in my mind and I have to remember to do this and I have to remember to do that. And, and yet I still want to make time for, um, myself and the things that I need to do. And, um, like Stephanie mentioned the, the red and the orangish yellow in the middle to me looks like fire. And I think I have a lot of fire in my core um, and I also have to tame, not tame it, but use tools to keep it calm or it can, it can be, I can use it in positive ways or negative ways. And so, and I'm aware of that. And th this card is just, like I said, I, it, it's telling me that I need to stay focused and not be all over the place. That's what I'm seeing. Beautiful. That's really beautiful and spot on to use your bullseye pun here <laughs> with the meaning of this card. It is, it is very much in line with what you're talking about, especially when it comes to, you have all of this stuff on your to-do list. 
So you can picture the animal, the fire ant, they come in swarms and there's this feeling of overwhelm of them like all over you, right? There's this like kind of agitation of needing to do, do, do and move, move, move. That's a part of the, of the energy of this card. And also uh, I would say like the call to action here is that sense of focus and also specifically focus on yourself as opposed to getting lost in perceptions of others. So the shoulds, any sort of drama, if there's any social drama going around, oftentimes this card can indicate that the tendency to get stuck in that. So like lacking the energetic boundaries to step out of other people's emotional turmoil and really focus on yourself and what feels true and centered and resonant. Yeah. Very relevant. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. So, so I love to use, um, I love to have a CTA or a call to action uh, to go with these readings. I find that's really helpful. So that's like step three, right? Coming back to our framework, talking about how you can do this yourself. After you interpret the card, what's your action? We're asking action focused questions. So for Marnie, it's like really stepping back from the energetic ties of others and focusing on what's important. What is actually a must versus the, the shoulds. And for Stephanie, it's, you know, coming back to her card with the elk, it's what does that balance look like and how can she lean on a process to help support her find that. So if, if you're doing this on your own, I really encourage you have like a, an action step or a takeaway. Um, and that's what makes it a personal development tool as opposed to just like, you know, something fun, um, food for thought. Well, thank you so much. This is, this was really yeah. fun. That was so cool. I've never really had mine read for me before. I've just done it myself. So that was nice to have like an interpreter and mm -hmm. I like the call to action, you know, and I think as we're all coaches, right. It's always yeah. nice to walk away from a session or what, you know, whether it's this five minute card reading session and have something small and have an action and have mm -hmm. a, you know, a to do, if you will, but something that's going to help you towards your broader goal, whether it's yeah. self-care or more balance and, you know, of reducing burnout and all those things that we talked about. Well, and I even really like that you said to ask, you know, what do I need to know today? Cause like, sometimes I, when I have dabbled in this, I feel like it, can feel a little contrived if I'm like, oh, I need to come up with a question. What is the question? You know, and then I'm like, I don't want to say getting anxious, but like I'm ruminating on, well, what, what's the right question I should be asking? So I really like that you just provided like a very simple question that I think can, anybody can relate to. Yeah. And sometimes I'll just ask, cause I believe it's all about putting out there, like not like you said, you don't want it to be a contrived question. I'll just ask the universe, like, what do I need today to blank mm -hmm. to focus or to whatever I, it is, whatever my intention is for the day. I'm just asking the universe to give me what I need or tell it just kind of a reminder, because it's probably all something that we know internally within us that we need to be doing. But again, that's why I like doing it in the morning. And I'm sure there's, you know, you can do it no right or wrong time of day to do this. But for me, I like doing it in the morning because it all helps with like that intention setting for the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then I, I get into thinking about like the nitty gritty of like, okay, so you're shuffling the cards and like, how do you know which one to pick? And does the universe know that the right card is selecting you? But then, 
at the end of the day, could you really pull any card and it could be relating to you in some way? Like, you know, that's where my mind is going. Yeah, totally. And uh, we, we didn't talk so explicitly about this, but I'll, I'll leave a, a nugget in the sense that it's really like accessing your unconscious mind. So if you think of like the classic psychology inkblot test or like the Rorschach test, if you're familiar with that, where traditionally a psychologist will show an abstract picture of ink blots mm-hmm. and the patient will interpret it. And that's a way to understand what's happening underneath the surface. So this is kind of what card reading is doing. So to answer your question, Marnie, it's, it's whatever you believe. <laughs> and also it's your unconscious mind choosing. So I like to think of intuition on a spectrum from like full woo divine download to the science which is like your cellular intelligence and your unconscious mind. And oftentimes we're somewhere on that spectrum. And so whatever resonates with you, you can use that to answer that question of, is it the universe telling me which card? Is it me or am I just making it up, right? The, the key is to trust whatever explanation it is that, that resonates with you and then move forward with that. Because the goal isn't to bring you back to analysis paralysis, right? It's to get out right. of that. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Um, I know we're kind of running out of time here and there were quite a few more questions we were, would hope to have asked you, but we might have to have you come back again. Yeah. Um, I would love to leave our listeners with some tips and strategies that they can, you know, implement immediately into their lives. And I know you've shared a bunch already, but what would you suggest for someone who may want to start working towards, you know, some bite-sized self-care, just focusing (laughs) inward, developing their intuition? Yeah. My favorite tip is what I, what I call turning challenges into adventures. So a lot of times when we're in a stress state, we lose a sense of intuition as we've talked about and also playfulness. So the key to helping your nervous system recover and also access your intuition is to get playful again. So bring on this idea of how can I make this fun? How can I trust more actively? How can I turn what's a perceived challenge into more of like a chooser and adventure? And that's much more empowering and can be applied to card reading, to overcoming burnout, you know, to career quandaries uh, and what have you. So yeah, definitely focus on, on how asking yourself, how can I turn this challenge into an adventure and bringing a sense of curiosity to that? Mm, I love I that. Love, yeah, me too. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think it's nice to think about a challenge as an adventure. Mm-hmm. It, it adds that element of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And even you smiling, right. As you say that, like, <laughs> yeah, that's what our brain does. We're like, wait, this is an adventure. I get to choose. I have control. I have agency. I get to play. That's so much more motivating right. than being in a state of fear and stress and anxiety. And who Absolutely. doesn't love an adventure? Right. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, it probably really activates your parasympathetic, parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system and gets you out of that fight or flight mode. Totally. Because it's, it's really, that goes back to like the control, like you said, yep. and feeling like we're in control and mm-hmm. just reframing. I mean, that's all you're yeah. doing. You're using yep. different yep. language and reframing the same mm-hmm. issue. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. 
So Emily, we'd love for you to share, you know, where can people find you? I'm sure our listeners are going to be super excited to, you know, check out everything that you have. And I know you have um, a guide that they can download. Can you tell us a bit about that? Mm -hmm. And then also maybe, um, maybe for the show notes, if you could provide your list of Oracle card decks that you like, you know, because I know everyone likes the recommendation and I know you mentioned the animal spirit and we'll link that up, Um, but any other decks or, you know, resources that people may be interested in. Yeah, I actually get that question asked a lot. So I've created a page on my website with like my top favorite decks. So I got you. Perfect. You can link that. Yes. Yep. And in terms of finding me, I'm most active on Instagram uh, in terms of social. I, by the time you're listening to this, you can scroll back and find uh, seven days of intention card polls uh, of reels. So at the time of our recording, I'm actually doing this currently, but when this releases, you can find that back in my feed. Uh, So definitely check that out at Mind Body Dharma. And if you're interested in diving deeper and exploring this art for yourself, I have a three-step guide called the intuitive to-do list. It's completely free. Um, I offer it to people to start to get out of that overwhelm and feel like they can really reclaim their time. So there's an exercise that I share in that with my own illustrations, because I love to create art and uh, you can check that out. We'll share the, the link in the show notes. And then if you're, you're interested in, in booking a card reading or talking to me about card readings um, in that guide, you'll, you'll find how you can reach out to me uh, for that. So. Fantastic. Awesome. And we'd like Stephanie said, we'll link everything up in the show notes. Awesome. Um, so as we wrap up this conversation, one question we like to ask all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you? So I kind of gave a teaser already. It, it's really this concept of playfulness. And, and treating life like a giant science, science experiment rather than holding on to it so tightly. Because when we step back and give ourselves permission to mess up and make mistakes, like, yes, we're embodying growth mindset, amazing, you know, check that box. But the experience of it, it just feels a lot lighter. And, and I've found the things that I love the most just by saying yes and to the experiment of trying them and learning about them. So if I hadn't, you know, to come full circle, if I hadn't said yes to my friend's mom at that fifth grade promotion, whatever picnic, I would never have experienced this until maybe much later, or, you know, divine timing, probably I would have experienced Mm -hmm. it, but it wouldn't have been the same journey. So yeah. That's beautiful. I, I love that. It's funny when you mentioned that fifth grade card reading, tomorrow, actually, my daughter and I are going to a mother daughter, like kind of back to school gathering. And it's really, there's going to be an intuitive there and they're going to do a tarot card reading. So I was starting to think about this. Yeah. Wow. Um, Wow. That'll be fun. Yeah. Well, and as a side note, you know, we, we always ask our guests offline what their favorite book is Mm -hmm. and your answer, um, (laughs) pulled me more than anybody else's because you said that a book gripped you at 12 years old. So I'm like, I I'm going to go read that book because to to be thinking about that as an adult today, a book that you thought about so much over your life and you're still thinking about it. Um, So thank you for sharing that as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. For our listeners, if you're curious, you can check it out. It's uh, daughter of the forest by Juliet Morillier. And, um, 
it's it's a retelling of an old classic Irish folk tale. When I read it when I was 12, it just, yeah, as you say, Marnie, it like completely consumed me. It like gripped my imagination. And um, a couple of my friends, uh, girlfriends like read it too. And we were very annoying because we all we wanted to do was like talk about it and like live the life of this book in our minds. And that has inspired me to this day because of the the power that writing has and the power that storytelling has. And so even as now I'm not, you know, the equivalent of JK Rowling writing fiction for a living, I still really appreciate the craft of creative writing and and the power of storytelling and use that in coaching. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's really amazing how full circle that is when we come to talking about carpeting and storytelling and, and novels in that different characters, if they resonate with us, they have so much to teach us and we can really kind of live their adventure uh, even if we can't maybe fully manifest it in our, our current everyday life. So mm-hmm. yeah, big fan. Yeah. Well, thank well, you thank so you. much. It's been so much fun having you on our show and yeah, such thank a fun you. conversation. Yeah. Thank so you. glad we were introduced and yeah, um, we may have to have you back on to do yeah. some, dive in again. <laughs> share some more of this. Exactly. Fine, yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Well, have a great day, Emily. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.